Looked like it looked like they were shopping for Christmas. Everybody, welcome to another episode of How Valid Is the Validity, episode eight. Eight weeks with Parker and Chad. What a what a terrible time. We uh, would like to thank our sponsors tonight, Aurora Nutriscience, for giving us the ability to uh, hand out some great supplements, vitamins and supplements uh, with the liposomal that helps you digest these products and all kinds of great vitamins into your system way easier than a lot of other supplements that you guys take. We're going to have those guys on uh, a little bit next week. Sony Mobile, uh, always hooking us up with great gear to give away to everybody. Um, Guidance Whiskey, and then uh, we got some bottles of that to give away. If you're watching tomorrow night on Chris Weaver Band, uh, live from the sectional, we, we, uh, we'll be there tomorrow night at 7. Well, it's been an unbelievable week of stuff. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I always like to start with uh, the comings and goings of Nashville because it's it's close to home. Chad, I yeah. know you get to go back to playing downtown next week. Yes, yes, finally, with certain stipulations, of course. What are, what 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 are, what are what are those stipulations? So, um, I think it's it's seventy five percent of the uh, normal capacity. You can only have a max of two musicians on stage. So. Uh, it's all uh, acoustic duo type stuff, and uh, you, you have to your musicians have to maintain social distancing, and if you do the, like the tip jug thing, you have to actually wear a mask and uh, and gloves to run the tip jug to talk to people. Um, do you think? Do you think that you know some of these Facebook Live stuff that that you know you and I have been doing for sure, and other musicians? Do you think people are going to be more acclimated to maybe using PayPal and Venmo at your shows? Well, I, th- I think even before that, um, you saw people, um, I mean, nobody carries cash anymore anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you always saw people, or not always, you know, in the past year, two years, you saw people doing more of that anyways. Um, and that was one of the, when, when they called me the other day from the Tin Roof Broadway, they said, hey, uh, if you want to make a giant sign to go on stage that says, here's my Venmo, you can tip me like this. You can do that, um, you know, how, however you want to do that digitally. Um, also, no dancing allowed. None. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, I mean, Kevin Bacon, I don't know where you are, but I need you to show up and say <laughs> No Nashville. kidding. Yeah. No dancing. Dance floors are closed. And another thing that, um, so you can't have, like, the normal menus, as well so like drink menus food menus so i know like tin roof has gone to a qr code on the table you scan that with your phone it brings up the menu you can view the the menu on your phone so oh no that's a good idea so maybe yeah, it's pretty cool no more menus that that makes a lot of sense i, I swear i still go with the fact that some of the things that are going to come out of of covid uh especially for the service industry is is going to are going to be things that maybe should have been happening anyway just because, you know, I'm not a germaphobe. I'm not Howie Mandel crazy. But, I, you know, some stuff, there are times when you pick up a, a a menu at a restaurant and it's just like, I don't know if I want to eat here. You know, I, I made, I, I've said things about the Waffle House, but you have to be pretty drunk to, to deal with that. But it, the thing about it is also, uh, you know, you're starting to see stories now. We, I, I believe, uh, you know, I've been doing this show for eight weeks now and, and, researching stuff and you know obviously we we get to you know really read and get into depth on some things 
more than you just would if you were skimming through the headlines. But I think, you know, we did jump the gun. I think things now you're starting to see it both ways as far as, all right, there were some things we could have done different. There are some things that maybe we could have done better. There are some things we shouldn't have done. Um, that clip that you saw with George Carlin in the beginning of the show here, that was from 2008. Um, in 2004, uh, the French are talking now that they they came out with a report that said, and this this lab in, in Wuhan was a, a, a collaboration between the French and the Chinese. They said that the, that the Chinese were going to cause, there was going to be something to come out of that situation that was not going to be good on a grand scale. And that was in 2004. You know, I... I think that it, you know you're. It's easy to start peeling back layers. It's it's like again nine eleven, where you know you can look at situations and you can go, oh, we saw that coming. You know there were, you know there was reports about this and 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 reports about that. And it's hard to it, you can't take everything with the same amount of 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 credence. It, you know, it, especially things that maybe are a little bit more pressing that are going to happen. You know, right now, not not fifteen, sixteen years later. So it it, it that is interesting to see. Well, the, hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, that's now. right. That's right. And and I think that people it is it is so freaking hard right now to decide what you you know if you look at one study for something and then you can turn around legitimately and find another study that says the exact opposite thing and you're still stuck with this. What do I do right now? I looked at a hot map for Davidson County, and I think that most states have these. Uh, hot maps, I guess they're called for where, where COVID where the most cases have been found. And I'm literally living in the hottest area in, in Davidson County. This area code is the hottest spot in Davidson County. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't think that. No, I right. But the, yes and no, because nobody's going downtown really. Right. And the, and the, you got tourists that are still going downtown. A lot of, you know, anybody that is going downtown, they're going home. So, you know, a lot of the transient people going to work and stuff are still not going to work. So they're living, they're out in their homes, which this is a big area for, you know, people that work downtown and, and, and just in general. It, it, it is interesting, but is that supposed to scare you? You know, it is, what do I do? It, you know, how does that impact a person that looks at that and goes, oh my God, I, you know, I, I really didn't see or know a lot of people that had it, but geez, I'm living right in the middle of all this. Well, I mean, I think it's like, any other thing that you deal with, I mean, whether it be your crime rate or whatever it is, you take that and you go, you apply it to your life and say, what steps do I need to do to make me feel comfortable and make my family feel comfortable, make myself feel protected and still do the things that I need to do. And that's different for everybody. It's different for you and me. And, you know, Parker, do you got that? Do you have that clip of the, of the, of them, of those people in Staten Island? Bring that up. So, you know, this is something that we we just saw a few clips uh, in the beginning, but people are are really going unbelievably you know, using this opportunity in some aspects to gang up on people. Some governments are using this to round up people. I mean, the, the Chinese with, you know, the little bit that I've read about the Chinese and, and the situation with Hong Kong, you know, where, where China has stayed out of Hong Kong's uh, pretty much government establishment and that's been an agreement until now th and using covid to to be able to to really kind of put their force and might into 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 going in there and kind of getting into that into that government which they've been out of for a long time um you know you play this clip this is yeah dang it <laughs> 
I mean, that's the kind that that is the that is just rit- ridiculous. I, I mean, humanity at its finest. I mean, right what there. in the world is? I mean, this is because is this is this like the worse than shirts and skins at gym? You and know, the, every one of those other people had their mask on. So do they really? Except feel for the less, guy that was yelling at her, yeah, he had his mask off to yell at her. Yeah. Do you, do you feel less protected because she has her mask? She doesn't. She's not wearing a mask, but you are. I mean, in the purpose of you wearing a mask to protect you and well, and to protect other people. That's right. people mean, have gotten away with this whole idea that you know you are being respectful if you're wearing a mask and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I have I have not worn a mask. It's not been something that I that I felt like I needed to do. Honestly, I felt like I I probably had some form of this in February when I got really sick. I haven't been sick in a long time, like flu sick. And I, and I got nailed for three days. I was out and I, and, and then this stuff started coming out. I'm like, Oh God dang, maybe that's what I had. Point being is that I haven't felt that a mask has been necessary. I've stayed away from people, which I'm fine with doing, but this is not, that's not isolated. This is really giving some people, you know, the ability to, to just act like a jackass, you know, and, and just be, listen, if you don't like the situation, go to a manager of a business and say, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I'm going to leave, let him go and offer a mask to the person, but geez, a mob attacking a woman. I mean, this is, that's absolutely, that's ridiculous. This is funny. Is this, that's not the, that's not the news anchor. I need the one with the anchor. You got to see this. This is unbelievable. Because th- this just goes to show you, you know, what, what the, what news, news is so, it, it, if you guys don't think for one minute that news broadcasting, these people are not trying to make a bigger story out of something to get ratings, especially MSNBC, for God's sakes. I mean, this is, play this clip. Play this so clip. are the people there just not worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal safety? I haven't met anybody who is. I met some folks actually from Lake Geneva who lived in the area. They were staying a few miles outside of town where I were. And they said they're worried about it. They're worried about that second spike. They're worried about folks coming in from Chicago. But they'll quickly add at the same time, this is a place that relies on that business. I think people here want a little bit more funding when it comes to these programs so that they could stay closed. But again, I think people felt like the Supreme Court made the decision here in Wisconsin that it was time to open up. But you can see here, just around. Nobody's wearing them. Nobody's. Uh, the there you go, including the cameraman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Striking God! What do you do? Perry, what are you, are you joking me? I mean, it's it's just like let's make news, and it's been this. It's always this way. We know it's this way, but yet sometimes still, these, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, these types of things formulate our opinions. And the way we think about things, think about the beginning of this whole mess and all the different things that, that they told us we, we shouldn't do or not to worry about. And then then we needed to worry about it. And then two million people were going to die. And Trump's having to make decisions on that. Now it's now it's not even close. It's we, we can't as, as a society. We can't. How do you make you? It's hard to make decisions, especially about if this was to happen again. 
when we get through this or if, if we get through this or however we deal with this, if, we, if this was to happen again, I think lines are going to be drawn even harder in the sand about people that lived through COVID, never got it, never dealt with it, never had any problems, make everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's like those people that are don't have any problem with it, don't think it even really is a big deal. They're going to even say harder if something really comes up one of these days that might kill a bunch of people. You know, and then the people that have stayed home and, you know, because suicide rates up, depression is up, all people not going to the doctor is up. I mean, these are, this is out of hand. It's out of hand. I, 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 I don't, do, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this before, but do we talk about the cruise ship industry? So, I mean, I, I, to some extent, I think that it, it, it got, it's getting pummeled, right? I mean, well, so here's the other thing. I, I I thought I talked to you about this, but maybe I didn't. So we did, we did a show in Miami last week, and there was a guy there who um, who works for the uh, the cruise ship industry. Well, none of the governments, including our government, will let the cruise ship staff and workers come into the country. So you've got a couple thousand cruise ship workers just for this one uh, particular cruise line that these people are quarantined on a cruise ship in their rooms. And I, I've never been on a cruise, but I understand the cabins are pretty small. Um, and they're, they're not even allowed to leave their cabins. So, yeah. And they're docked out in the middle of the ocean because the, the, you know, the ports charge them to sit in the port. And their, their staff is not allowed to to come can't off. do anything no so they and so i was talking w- with the guy who who is uh like head of security for this um particular cruise line and he was saying that of all their you know there, there's a couple thousand people that are still on there they've had four cases of the virus and they've had four suicides so they've had as many people die from suicide as they have the virus i just don't where where does where do our where does our common sense go as a a, a group of people? I, I think that you know we were talking uh, yesterday about or, or a little bit ago actually about polio. You had mentioned polio. Was it was a, yes? They were you know this was something that people were social distancing. They were doing all these things just out of out of fear. You know it wasn't even where it was man mandated. Was it was well, it? there there was some of it that was mandated, and it's uh, I'm. Obviously, we're on a podcast, and I'm a podcast freak. I listen to podcasts anytime I'm in the car, and I drive a lot. Um, so the the particular podcast I was listening to today w- was talking about polio, and and I'm you know familiar with polio, and you know some sense, you know, you know that FDR suffered from polio, but yeah. um, but this was this was a huge thing, and they were closing churches, and they were they were closing down just like we're doing now. Um, and, and they weren't, you know, they didn't call it social distancing in the thirties, but the, you know, this one guy who was talking, who had polio, who contracted it, his parents were school teachers. And, uh, but apparently po- getting the virus is more prevalent in the summer. So his parents would take him out of the city in the summer and everybody else was going outside of New York city to try to stay away from people to try to not get the virus because there, there's still no cure for polio. There is now a vaccine, um, but that didn't exist then. And this went on for three decades before 
there was a vaccine. Right. So, I, I mean, mean, how long do you drag this out? You, you, you can't could drag it out. But I, I don't think that th- this is something that this here's a here's a prime example. We, we have taken this situation and we have made it into something to where people are so freaking scared over something that really is not touching enough people. I mean, 80, 94,000 deaths in the United States. Again, like last week, we talked about 40 to 50 percent of those that, uh, of the deaths in nursing homes and, and with older folks. And, and in some cases, like we saw with the with the guy that was beating the the hell out of the the uh, the, the older patients, you know, b- b- giving because they were on lockdown and people couldn't actually go in. This guy took the opportunity to, you know, in, in this case, beat the hell out of these uh, old white people uh, because he was pissed off at, the, at, at that situation. And, and now we're you know, and now you got the, the cops today killing the black guy. And, and now this all again throughout this whole mess, we got these race situations it's it's it it, and taking away from everything else somehow we make this political and we make this racism right and and so right even with this there's a there's been a study the democrats have actually done a study uh, with joe biden because they're worried about the fact that if the if the economy turns around too quickly it's going to give trump a win that's what what kind of what 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 is this shit there's not even a point where any common sense of anybody, Democrat, Republican, stupid or smart, to where the it, it you know we're the downfall of the economy to get somebody out of office, like four years matters. You know, you realize that this person as a president, a newly elected president, the first two years are just it's all it's all paperwork. You know, and so in the in the country has done so well. If you're just looking on an economic standpoint before this happened, and so they're saying Democrats are saying that even in this time, Trump is still not getting blamed. He's still getting good marks for the economy. Well, no wonder it was. It's not like he did this on purpose. I mean, where is our where is your head? I mean, who who can say that with anybody? I don't care if you're black, white, or where you come from. No, this is not anybody's fault. It maybe could have been handled different, whatnot, but the bottom line is the economy was killing it. And the Democrats, you know, and as far as party lines are concerned and, and these committees, they're worried that this might come back too quick because it has been shown that disasters like this, the economy comes back quicker. That's, that's asinine, you know. And Joe Biden, God, what did he say? If you're, if you're, if you have to, think about who to vote for you're not black enough that's not the exact terminology you're not black right yet. right you're not Sorry. right if you whether decide whether you know if i don't you know who, i don't know who you're voting for but decide you need to make up your mind one way or the other if you if you vote for trump you're you're not black essentially you know people are are trying to defend this in some regard with and there's this whole thing about you know it, it's like the it's like the the news anchor that that was that said you know i believe you tara reed uh but it's trump you know, I'm not voting for that. He's, the, you know, the 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 Jamila uh, Hill, the staff writer Hill Hill for the staff writer for the Atlantic, and and was an ESPN commentator. She literally said, you know, I, I'm not defending a white supremacist, and and that Joe Biden's right. If you don't vote for him, you aren't black. This is a black person saying that. I mean, I don't, I just don't, I just don't think that this is not racist. It's not, it's not political. It's are you how are. are are you, does it, are you really, that's, that's it. That's where you're thinking. You're not thinking about your, your economics. You're not thinking about what, you know, really being safe. 
Well, the, the fact that you think that any particular race should be tied to any particular party just because of their race is asinine anyways. I mean, I, I'm, you and I agree and disagree on a lot of things. And just like, I mean, obviously I'm a white guy and there's plenty of other white people that I disagree with. I don't, it, why are we making assumptions that just because you're any particular race, you should be voting for a particular party? I mean, I, I talked to, to a guy last week who said, look, I was, I've never been a Trump fan. I am not a fan of him as a person. I didn't vote for him, but it didn't take me long to realize I had money in my pocket and I like him for that. So, I mean, listen, nobody is electing Donald Trump because they think he's the nice guy that you want to hang out with, which is exactly why Democrats are going after, after the economy. Just like the the other way around. I mean, you're, you know, it's. I I, mean, you I, I agree. I I agree with what you're saying. I I just my I think that it that this we've done this. You understand? Even even if you even on a smallest level, if you've only if only all you do is vote, we've done this. We've created this to where the only people that want to run for office are freaking one foot in the grave, you know, or are so, are so messed up that, that, that they don't give a shit that what, what anybody says about them or anything they've done being brought back up because we have created this sensationalism that, that, that that's not what a president should be. Do you realize that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were probably two of the most well-spoken presidents we've had out of out of the last what six i mean the, the, as far as 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 somebody that when they came on i mean it was reagan-esque oh yeah i mean i don't know in in the current generation outside of reagan that you could find a better more eloquent speaker than barack obama well and that's right but you know what reagan was an actor before he was the president right right and it takes that kind of whatever but my point to you is that if the American people think they're going to find some non-stained individual that doesn't have tons of blemishes to get to that point in their life, you know, where they have to be, they have, you have to be able to raise billions of dollars. You have to be able to take all the shots because let's face it, what, what, where in anybody's life have you not done something that if, if somebody really wanted to dig it up and make it look like you are a piece of, of, of manure that they couldn't do it. I, let me tell you something that, I got hacked. One of my email accounts, I have two from Gmail, got hacked this week. And 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 I got an email saying that the person, whoever took this thing, the person changed my recover email, which means I if I was to go back in, now I didn't know that I didn't know the password because I haven't used this account. I was just forwarding it. I had a calendar attached to it. It was forwarding to my and and and, and let me tell you something. If you use Gmail, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. If you have an, uh, if you don't have a two-step get in to your account, you are really messing up. And if, especially if you have an account that you don't use very often, you need to you need to have this ability because I'm going to tell you something. Once somebody hacks into your email account, that's it. If you cannot answer one question, 
Think about how stupid this is. I had to type in, okay, I typed in the email address. I put in the last password I could remember. And then I, and then the next thing is, what is your recover email? Well, they've changed it. They went in, they changed the recover email. So now that's gone. The security question, which they only give you one, it, it, I didn't know it. They changed that too. So they changed the security question, the recover email. All I had the possibility was an old, an old um, password. That was it. They will not let me in. I can't get any help. If I called the FBI hack, whatever the case is, and the next thing I know, I'm getting emails that have to do with somebody getting drugs. I'm not kidding you. I believe you. There were four emails that came in after that where this guy, he set up new iPhones with this account. There was three or four emails where they were like, hey, I'm going to be on Friday. I'm going to have some snow. I'm going to be on Friday. I got the wind with me. I mean, it was just, and there was nothing I could do about it. Oh, you got a weatherman who hacked your email. Yes, absolutely. A weatherman that's got a serious drug problem. Uh, We got a question here. Yeah. Uh, Someone asked, what do you think about the publicity the Lake of the Ozarks is getting about their massive pool parties? Oh, yeah. Well, I want to hit on that. I'm going to finish this thought, and I'm going to tell you. So my point to this is that there are emails in that account that I don't even know what are in there. No nothing, no naked. I wish they were naked people. I probably would have kept better track of it. But there was nothing in there that I remember. Point to you is, though, this person now can see my calendar that I had with that account, which I can't stop that either now. And they can see whatever emails were in there and they could do with whatever. And if something happens with that account attached to it, I'm going to get questioned. I'm going to get, so are, are your contacts in there? That well? My freaking contacts. Oh, which is why I thought, you know, these things happened in the first place was, you know, the contact the, the it's the data mining, you know, we've talked about, but this is, this guy's using it for or whomever is using it for other reasons. Point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you can take one email from something I did 15 years ago that had out of context, which is what it's all about, folks, is taking your words out of context. That's why when you post this stuff that you post online and you do all this stuff that maybe it's right now, it's not a big deal, but at some point in time, if somebody wanted to, and if they hack into your account and you can't get back into it or you're fighting Facebook or fighting Google to deal with it, they can the havoc that can be wrecked is un, un, unbelievable. Point being is that when you look at the person running for office in a higher offices, there are things that Barack Obama said when he was young and did that probably taken out of context a lot of times. I mean, when you're young, you will not listen to a 19 or 20 year old tell you how to invest your finances. But when a guy runs for president, what he says when he was 20, all of a sudden is going to make or break what he if he wins or loses. And everything Donald Trump's ever said and anything that, that Joe Biden's ever said or is saying, Jesus, I mean, what is this guy? Are you kidding me? The diversity, the lack of diversity in the presidential nominees and the lack of, of just plain smarts. Look at people like, what was the, what was the black guy's name that was the doctor? That, ben the, Carson. Ben Carson. He was so good, but so freaking boring. You don't, people don't want that. You live in a society where your whole life is 15 seconds, 30 seconds of people's lives. And if, and if, it, and if the first five seconds aren't fun, you're sliping to the next one. How are you supposed to, how are we supposed to elect anybody with any brains in this country when you already have it in your mindset? You're not going to give them more than 15 seconds. 
and the only thing you care about is what they've done wrong. We got problems, and it's bigger than COVID. But to blame people when you know to blame people that are fallible and 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 to have to depend on other people to t- help them especially the world health organization and and other countries and you can't do that and then months later we're all going to sit around and and now that some of this stuff is coming out and we're going to say oh now look how terrible or how bad this person is or you people are you know this is just remarkable and and it goes to places like the lake of the ozarks who was just in the news for having, you know, having orgy parties or whatever the hell they were doing up there, you know. I mean, what, what, there was six, seven hundred people on top of each other. Yeah. I mean, you got to have brains both ways. It's, it's, it, you know, you got to be political, you know, and I know those guys up there, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, what are you going to do? I, I brought this up before. If you're going to open it, people make their own choice. A bar should not be responsible for having to try to control people with and give them alcohol. What's the point? You already know how bad this stuff is when you're doing it and you're trying to have a good time and everybody is just wound up and getting and boozing it and already it's, and then you're putting that in that facility and then you're trying to tell them, hey, stay away from each other. Don't pee in the pool, whatever the case is. And then, and you're going to take one shot of a bar that maybe couldn't handle it that day. And that's what the Lake of the Ozarks now looks like or people, that's the first thing that come to people's mind. I don't think it's right. I think that that person at, that owns that bar has to then look back, go to the next day and say, okay, that can't happen again. Not because of the press, but just because what's going on right now, that doesn't make any sense just for that reason. Well, I mean, I, mean, I kind of, so, I mean, at the same time, yeah, you, you may not agree with it and we may think that it's probably not the smartest thing. But like we were talking about earlier, you have those hardline people who are one way or the other are hardline. And you have people who believe there's nothing to this. Well, as as a capitalist, as a person in this country trying to run a business, it's really easy to cater to those people. In certain situations where you can say, hey, here's your home. Come hang out here. We're going to have a good time. We're going to sell a crap ton of beer. I'm going to make all my money back that I've lost for the past three months. Um, you know, so it, it's, is it insanity or is it genius? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, just, I think I'm just you, playing devil's advocate. No, I mean, I don't, I think that again, it all goes back to the fact that everything's always 50, 50. There are going to be 50% of the population that look at that picture and go, all right, things are getting back. I'm going to the lake. And there's going to be 50% that's going to, that, that's going to condemn that. And it's going to make a big deal about it. And it's, and it's going to, you know, and, and because all because of this one thing, too, people, I, I think people don't give any damn whatever you do to yourself, do it. You want to sit at home, smoke two packs, drink 60 gallons of whiskey, you're a business, right? Right. You get in the secondhand smoke. What is it about? Well, it's about me. Now you're taking something you do that's killing you or hurting you or whatever the case is, and you're putting it on me. That's the pr- that's the problem. Well, but I, and I've expressed this opinion before. Last week, I said, at this time that we're in, nobody's making you go to work. Nobody's making you go into a social setting. If you want to be the guy at this point who stays at home, and you limit who comes into your house, and you 
limit the contact that you have. I mean, you can literally have your groceries delivered to your door, dropped off. There's there's no reason that you have to leave your house right now, barring that you're an essential worker. Um, no, but, and, and but I, still outside of that, yeah, I mean, your social settings, you still get to control. Um, so, you know, if, you know, if your cousin Billy's going to the Lake of, of the Ozarks and, you know, hopping in this giant party, don't invite him over to your house if you're worried about what he might have caught out there. No, I, I, I totally agree. And and the thing about it is this 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 stuff to taper off, to really get over where people, you know, if they don't see you wearing a mask, they're not going to think that they, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't see Lucifer immediately. I, that, that kind of shit's going to take time to taper off. It's going to take time to taper off. There's just going to be a, people that are going to hold on to that, like the Confederacy after the Civil War. It's just going to be that way. And and I think that everybody is understands that. Well, they're, they're going to wait for Dr. Fauci or whatever his name and is. Fauci's all, and Fauci, too. I mean, this guy, I appreciate the fact that, that you know, epidemic, what is it, epidemiologists or epi, epidural, whatever the hell, whatever that, 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 Categorization of categorization of of of, of, of epidemiology. You know what? Epidemiology. Parker can you I'm telling you, you're on thin ice with me already. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna tell you this. Steak and Shake gets uh eight hundred thousand dollars. Freaking uh Ruth Chris. Ruth Chris gets a bunch of money. Bring up the clip. Planned Parenthood gets a bunch of money. This is I don't again. Not about politics, but this is a this is already an establishment that already has a lot of anchors tied to it. Already has a lot of problems. You know, it's a very po- political, par- you know, partisan line. Abortions are one thing; selling baby parts are another. You know, the fact that they got all this money, and 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 now that now we're trying to figure out, okay, what? I'm I'm sorry, as a human being, I get it. You know, Steak and Shake gets money. Maybe they shouldn't because they're a big corporation. Planned Parenthood gets tons of billions of tax dollars overall, and and then this kind of thing happens. Play this. When the videos were released, Planned Parenthood denied selling body parts. We thought they might do this, so before the video release, yeah, we emailed beer. Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast an undercover contract for $750 per fetal liver, $1,600 for liver thymus pairs. Planned Parenthood told Congress they rebuffed the deal, and the New York Times reported Planned Parenthood's assurances that the affiliate declined. But now, we know that Planned Parenthood lied to Congress and to the media. Because of the documents and testimony of Tram Nguyen, Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast's abortion center director. I mean, again, as a human being, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, you made Ruth Chris give you the money back. You made Steak and Shake give you the money back. You made some of these other corporations that shouldn't got this money give you the money back. And we're going to question whether these guys should give the money back? I, I, this, I'm sorry, folks. If, you, if people don't get a grip on the fact that your U.S. senators and congressmen and women... Better start feeling responsible for the people that they have to and should have to come back home to and answer to. I think that human beings, we've got too many things going on in our lives 
that the federal government at this point and government in general has taken advantage of the fact that bi- people are busy with li- they're living their lives and are trusting government to take take care of them and deal with the, some of these issues that should be common sense when you lie to Congress and you're selling baby livers. That's a, it's kind of all right. If that's what you're doing and nobody's stopping you because Planned Parenthood's been, this has been a a stinking problem with Planned Parenthood. I mean, I, if I believe that a a woman chooses what she wants to do and there's not, those, those things are decided by court and, and that's fine. And you should be able to do that in a safe place. If that's the choice you're making, I get that part. And you need to be talked about, about other things that you're, if that's what Planned Parenthood is, this is, this is not something that we should be deciding or, or even having to make a, a discussion about if that is what is really going on, you, you you give the money back. I'm not paying for that. I don't agree with with selling baby parts and then you're lying about it. What are we doing? And now you have more time than ever. Write your congressperson. Write your senator. Do something. Find out what these people are voting on because i got to be honest with you. Somehow... They just pass out $8 trillion in a month and they haven't been able to make decisions on things that, that because especially during an election year because nobody wants to lose and they could just spend money and we all do it because we're scared to death. I'm sweating. Well, I mean, I feel like I've watched a Richard Simmons video. <laughs> My God, is he still alive? Yeah. He didn't get COVID, yeah. did he? No. Just, I, I mean... Whatever the issue is, where's the accountability in any of it? There is no accountability. That's the problem. There's no accountability. And there's, listen, they, they're already, already, the FBI has already arrested more than 10 people that have tried to dupe the system with the SBA money. States, billions of dollars spent on virus supplies can't be accounted for. Do you think that they went to supplies? Do you really think that? I, I, I mean, I think that, I think these people could start a NASCAR team, some of these people in government. I bet if you went to their house, they got a Mercedes with a brand of face mask on the side. No, this is, we've seen it. FEMA, after Katrina, after disasters in general, when money just go, money, education, kids aren't doing very well. Money, uh, disaster. Uh, what do we? What do you do? Money. You know, give give a, a university a, a billion dollars to 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 try to make some sort of vaccine vaccine for this thing. Which there again, only forty percent of the people that that uh, you know that when this vaccine comes out are feel safe to take it. This is your money, and and this is what they're going to do all the time. And they're going to do it over and over and over again until whatever the bigger question mark is here and whatever the system is trying to do to people as a herd, because let's face it, the regular person, unless they're together, can't make a difference. Right? It's just like, again, the the white or black situation which I didn't even know this situation happened today with the police officers. I just got an alert, by the way, that says apparently there, uh, there's tons of um, riots and looting going on in Minneapolis right now. Yeah, 
I didn't even know that was a thing today until until I saw something uh, somebody was talking about it where you know racism is still a thing and all I mean if we're going to continue to do this you're going to go tit for tat let's let's okay they, they the police did this again to the uh, black guy and then we can show where a black guy did this to some white folks and we, we could do this all day I, I saw a quote from Will Smith earlier that I actually liked it said um uh well it said racism is not getting worse it's getting filmed I, I I don't think there's that my friend is probably one of the best quotes I've ever heard. It's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. That's, I thought it was an incredible quote. I, I mean, it's you know it's it's being the injustices are being brought. I, I, I I'm I'm just gonna say this that when you really try to find stories about racism, you will find the same stories over and over and over again, and you will find people that know the other side of the story too, right? You'll find white people that will say, oh, well, you know, they don't, they never say anything when a black person kills a white guy or girl. And, and, and all you ever hear about is black people getting killed by always a police officer. And that's it. And so you take this one story. It's, it's like, it's like fighting with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, when, when, when you do, when, when you do one thing, one day you do one thing and they go, you always do that. We, are we wired that way? You always do that. I just did it this one time. I just did it. Or maybe I've done it a couple of times, but that's what we do. That's what we do. Instead of just taking those police officers and, and, and making sure that the context of the video, because that's an issue too, right? You watch the beginning, the middle, and the end. And we should have to see it all. Because if everybody's going to go out and make decisions on how they're going to feel about a black or a white or a Mexican or an Indian or a Chinese person, based on these videos that we see of people killing each other, because you sure in the hell don't see you know a white guy and a black guy and, 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 and Chinese people and Mexicans and all dancing, because that happens too. But I don't. I never seen that video. You never see that video of happy times. But if that's how we're going to make our decision, then make it on all. And if those cops did that, and that, and from the beginning to the end, it, it was just like, what the you idiots? What are you doing? Stand them up and shoot them. Because this is getting ridiculous. When I have to be scared for my life or your life, when or we can't look at each other because I, of a video I saw that has nothing to do with you or me. It's just it's just getting a little bit rough. And, and, and this COVID is just making it okay. It's making it okay because people's tempers are up and people's having problems and all that crap. Whatever. I got to quit. Does anybody ever have this Heineken 00? This has got to be some of the best stuff. I don't, I might never drink again. <laughs> I'm serious. Beer. I'm, I, anyway. This is really, it's really good. I've never thought of, I remember when O'Doul's was, was coming out. Everybody, a good friend of Chad's who he introduced to me uh, by the name of Brent Stover. Uh, he, he's, Love this guy. he's a great dude. And, you know, Chad's helped him with his music career and he, he works for CBS Sports. He's come out of uh, Emporia, Kansas. Um, he even worked in Pittsburgh for the Steelers and the, and the Pirates for a while. So I, now I have a really, truly special place in my heart for this person. Um, but we had an interview with him today and to get his insight on, on, on college sports and, and 
and you know what what he thinks uh, you know it's going to happen this year uh, with sports and just his overall feeling was a very interesting conversation let's let's play that let's All play right. that uh everybody Brent Stover from CBS Sports but not even that now he's going into music it's it's a whole big uh, a, a whole big thing Brett thanks for joining us thank we really appreciate it Oh man, I love watching this podcast. Though I'm a little concerned that there's a jinx, kind of like the Sports Illustrated jinx, though. Because no, since since Clint Boyer was on here, he's gotten a 17th place, a 22nd place. Well, he won Darlington. He, he won though, right? Right, the second. No, Darlington? no, he he won two in one of those races. He won the first two um, stages, but then got blasted in the last. Oh, one. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he wrecked you into the wall hard last time out. So I'm, I'm hoping there's not a jinx. No, I'm pretty sure we're, we're okay. It wasn't like he was doing like, you know, he was winning races right before he talked to me. You know, he's, he's always just up in the top 10, which is great. It's great. Um, great. You know, speaking of Clint, so you're from Emporia, Kansas or around that area. That's, no. Yeah. I grew up uh, just a few blocks from Clint. I didn't know him that well, to be honest. Um, but uh, obviously, I watched his career from afar. But a great place to grow up. I know you played uh, shows there. Uh, yeah. I'd love to get my music going a little bit and go back and play, play a concert. Because my parents, they moved away from there years ago. But obviously, I still have a soft spot from Poria. I just haven't been back in in a couple of decades. It'd be cool to go back here soon. Well, we got to do something. I mean, I, I because of playing out there and getting in that community some, I definitely would like to get. I would like to get back there myself. We could actually play. He has an. Uh, he has a uh, amphitheater there that we could we could actually play at because it holds like ten people. I think between the both of us, we could we could probably. Oh, well, no I mean, ten, ten people with social distancing. I think it's three thousand <laughs> three thousand normal. Ten, I think it holds ten or twelve. <laughs> ten, ten or twelve, <laughs> and I'm sure social distancing is a, a huge concern in a poor campus right now. So you've been you have been you started your career with with CBS in 2010, correct? Yeah, I've been doing this for years. I've been doing this since TV since uh, since 1999. But yeah, in 2010, I got the break with CBS. And then 2012, I moved out here to New York City because I was doing more and more studio stuff. And the studio is right here in the middle of Manhattan. And it was kind of one of those opportunities where I was living in Chicago at the time. So I had been working for the Big Ten Network, which is based in Chicago up until 2010. And then from 2010 to 2012, I was working for CBS, but living in Chicago which was perfect for me because I come out to New York city every once in a while, but I was always, you know, after about 48 hours, I was able to go home. Um, so when they asked me to move out here, I, you know, it was a no brainer in terms of the career, but it was a huge step for me from Chicago to living in New York city. Yeah. Cause this place is unlike any other. And honestly, <laughs> I did not like it for the first year, love the job, but I did not, but now I've grown to love it, you know, um, it's a great place. It's the best city in the world. So can you give us a little bit of, you know, I was reading your background. I really would like to have a little bit of the story from the time about your senior year in college, when you got out getting an agent. I mean, that's something to me, I think people are interested in when you, you know, a lot of everybody's going to college now and all the kids out of high school and all that kind of stuff. You go right to college. You don't know what you're going to do, but you go anyway, because you feel like you have to, you know, what was it? How did you know that's what you were going to do? How, how did you get an agent so quickly out of college? What was that? What's that story to this road? Well, and the story actually begins when I was really little in Emporia. Like I'd turn down the volume on on games, uh, and I'd and I'd broadcast them into my 
cassette recorder. Um, shows you how old I am. And, uh, and so I, it was something I always knew I was going to do. So I feel like I kind of had a head start anyway. Um, and so by the time I graduated college, I had been the sports director at the campus radio station. So I knew I was either going to do either radio or TV, but I was going to be a sports broadcaster. And I was able to, you know, get a local job in Topeka, Kansas, which is a small market, but a great market to learn uh, how to do the stuff behind the camera and in front of the camera. And you got the Chiefs there, you got KU, K-State, um, you got the Royals. I mean, it's a great sports market. And so like right away, I kind of knew that that I sort of had a knack that I was going to have success in it. And people told me, hey, you know, you're not long for here. You're going to get right. some big opportunities. So I kind of took a chance and, and you know, I was only making about six fifty an hour. Um, and so to, to hire an agent kind of felt a little weird at the time, but I'm glad I did because after just a couple of months, he was able to get me a job in St. Louis with Fox Sports Midwest. Those Fox Sports regionals were really coming into fashion around the country at that time. So I got a job in St. Louis covering the car, <clears throat> covering the Cardinals and the St. Louis Blues uh, right away. And I was kind of off and running at that point. So what that that I'm I'm gonna I have one question here before I get to my I can't believe you did this because it's <laughs> you know but in St. Louis, I mean, that, that's a very big sports market. People are very, you know, they're into the blues, they're into the Cardinals. And and at the time, yeah. not so much the St. Louis Rams, but I know you did some work with those guys too. What was it like, you know, I, I you know, people, we all watch, you know, a lot of people watch sports, but men specifically, you know, the idea of going in and trying to, you, because you have to cultivate a relationship with the fans, right? I mean, that's, mm. that's as important as, as broadcasting the, the games, is it, isn't it? Or how does that work when, when you come into a situation like that? And no question. I think because what I mainly did was like pre and post game stuff, not actually part of the nine innings of baseball. I think you're under a little more microscope when you're doing that stuff. My mind was more like, you know, leading into sound. Hey, as you saw, you know, Fernando Vina or Albert Pujols was four for five tonight, had a couple of home runs. The Cardinals win 10 to two. This is what he had to say after oh, the I got game. You. And I would just toss to that sound. Um, so it's a little more like that, but I will say this. Yeah, you better come to play, especially with the Cardinals. It's it's the best baseball town in America. But as long as they can tell that you're trying hard and you're working hard at it, it's the same with the players as well. You notice they don't get booed a lot when they're not having success. Fans in St. Louis are very forgiving and they're very respectful. Um, and I think that moves over to their broadcasters as well and the people that they watch on TV covering the team as well. So I think they, they definitely give you the benefit of the doubts. There wasn't that huge pressure. Um, but yeah, the, the knowledgeable, it's incredible. Like if you're going to cover baseball, if you're going to cover major league baseball, and then years down the road, you know, in 08, I actually went back for a summer um, and did about 90 games. And that was on the broadcasts as the, you know, the third member of the team, the sideline reporter. And um, if there was ever a, a job in major league baseball, um, that you want it's covering the St. Louis Cardinals okay. because the, the, the baseball town, they're always good, right? Like they're always yeah. in the mix. If not in the playoffs, they're always in the mix, at least into August and September. So how long were you with Fox sports? So I joined them in two little, you know, 2000 and I was there until 2006. Yeah. Between St. Louis and Pittsburgh, I was in Pittsburgh alone from 02 to 06. So just top top of mind, what was the best 
sporting story, like being part of that job that you remember first thing comes to your mind that was like, this is cool. Traveling with the Pirates and covering the Pirates and being in the studio that was just across the street um, from that brand new stadium and the scene uh, there in Pittsburgh, that was probably the most fun, but also covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah. They were really good at the time. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, they had a role and they always, they've always been good. But I just, I loved Pittsburgh. It's a, as much as I talk about St. Louis being a great baseball town, I actually enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh a little bit more. I mean, those people are, well, I mean, <laughs> that crazy is, that's, Ameri- that's America, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that, it's the truth. You know, drinking Iron City Light. I mean, <laughs> you know, eating Primanti Brothers. I mean, that's just from 02 to 06. And again, and the Penguins weren't that good either. Yeah. But it was just fun, and it was such a great sports city. And the people, it's underrated, completely underrated place, Pittsburgh. What was it? What is it like traveling with teams and the spirit of a team, winning a, a winning team and a losing team? You know, how do professionals are these guys? Do they take it like we would playing a, a, a softball league for my my uh, my business? You know, when everybody's t- <laughs> you know, or are they are they each individual? It's 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 just different. How does that work with with teams, or how have you seen it? It depends. It's like in St. Louis, um, Tony Larusa. It was as intense as it gets. Like it felt like too much at times, and I think that could rub off on these guys from time to time. But like, I remember in the summer of '08, they ended up missing the playoffs. That was the last season that I did it. But he was like, they would lose a game in July, in the middle of July. Like Major League Baseball, as you know. Start the season knowing 162 games. You're going to win 50 and you're going to lose 50, right? That's fair, right? No matter what, no matter how good or bad you are, you're going to win 50 and you're going to lose 50. So let's just take those 100 games out. It's what you do in the other 62. So, I mean, you're going to lose a ton of games, no matter even the best teams. And he would take every loss like it was the World Series. Like, Uh so, I mean, you didn't even want to go in his – in the clubhouse after the game with him. And Albert Pujols was the same way. Like, Pools would go three for four and have a double and two home runs, but if they lost the game, like, you like, asking him questions afterward. Like, those dudes were so intense. <laughs> but then, like, in Pittsburgh, I think Lloyd McClendon was the manager at the time, and not that, you know, I mean, they take it seriously and they were losing a lot of games, but it was just less. And and I, I know this is going to reflect, well, no wonder the Cardinals were right, right, right. It didn't have to do with that. It had to do with talent, but – I think a lot of it has to do with like a Tony LaRusso managed team. Like it is, it's life and death every single night with him. So that being said, uh, baseball to football, I never basketball, baseball, hockey, you know, all these sports have tremendous amount of games. Right. And, and especially basketball and, and baseball comparative to football. And understandably, I mean, the body, diff, you know, the, 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 the havoc that people take on their body in football is obviously different. Does it make a difference? You know, how do these guys take that? I mean, is, is this part of these baseball and basketball professional sports? Are these games, do they have a hundred and some odd games per season as, as a stamina, as a, as a, as a show of stamina or money? I mean, what, what is the reason for 162 games? Uh, I think because it's always been that way. And that's kind of how major league baseball is from every standpoint is it's all about tradition it's all about the history of the game and that's why this year I just don't know how it's going to go down because obviously no matter what they're not going to play 162 
But I've always been a proponent of, all right, less games, let's shorten this season at least by a few weeks, maybe play like 120, 130 games. But I, I think money has is a big reason, but I just think the history of baseball has, has a lot to do with it. They, you know, it's always been that way. Um, and they, they want the stats to match up right. with history when deciding, when comparing generation to generation, you know, whether a guy belongs in the Hall of Fame, um, stuff like that. Obviously, the numbers have to match up and the numbers are going to be completely different when you're talking about home runs, RBIs and, and the rest of the the stuff when 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 you're discussing a 120 game season versus like 162 but at the end of the day i think money as well and a lot of places they fill the stadium every st louis yeah new york yankee stadium I mean, they fill it every night for 81 home games i mean and i i don't mind i mean i've been a proponent of it but i don't mind like like right now, that's what I'm missing most, yeah. you know, is having a baseball game to turn on every afternoon, every evening. I mean, that's just kind of part, been part of my life, you know what I mean? All the, for as long as I can remember. So what, I guess, the, was Fox Sports, AAA ball, and, and CBS Sports is, 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 the, is the show? Or how, how, how was that transition? I would have to imagine you've got a bigger viewership. You're, it's it's got to be more technology. It's got to be, Right or not, you might. The way you're thinking is the way 99.9, probably 100 percent of people would think. Right. So you're you're right on track with your thinking, but that it's actually not. No, Um, I think, like in St. Louis, because when they're winning, they always have among the best ratings in terms of their local, their regional draw, because they're always winning. Based. You're getting ratings in a pre and post game show for Major League Baseball, for instance, or a National Hockey League based on how the team is doing. And when a team is winning, people are tuning in to the pre and the post game show. That's just kind of how it works with maybe a few outliers here and there. So I'd say the viewership on some of those uh, regional networks um, is probably as good or more. With CBS, you're talking about two different things. If you're talking about the SEC on CBS, that's a different world. Right. Or the NFL on CBS, now, now the way you're talking is absolutely accurate. It is a national network. Um, CBS Sports Network, also a national network, but a cable network, that's mainly who I work for. About 90 to 95% of my work is with CBS Sports Network as, the, as a studio host there, as well as doing play-by-play. But in terms of being able to say you work for CBS and in terms of, you know, being on a national network and in terms of having that, that CBS, those sure. graphics and that logo and being part of, of March Madness and getting to take our studio show on the road to the Final Four and the Army-Navy game every year. Like, to me, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a step up and financially a, a big opportunity that you would never want to go away. So it kind of depends, I think, on, on what motivates you. You know, in right. terms of which is, is considered the bigger or the, or the better job. I mean, from a music standpoint, which, you know, I, I would definitely want to kind of get into that, too, with you. But from a music standpoint, I mean, you know, the, the key to in Nashville, for instance, is, is just staying here, outlasting yeah. as many people as possible. And, and yeah. you know, in that kind of situation. But it's not just CBS, right? You've really this opportunity could lead you into another network on a bigger level. I mean, that's the cool part, right? I mean. Yeah, that that is the cool part. I, the jobs are so hard to come by, though. Yeah. And 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 that was kind of to to your point and my point a minute ago was, 
you get to a certain level or certain opportunities where there's not many other opportunities that you would, that you would, you know, go for. Sure. Um, and so, and, the, and those don't come along very often, but yeah, I do think, I think it gives you um, certainly credibility within the television sports space and, and um, who knows if something could come down the line. I think it does carry a lot of cachet. Um, I think it does carry a lot of weight when you can, when you can go in and say, yeah, this is what I do. I'm a studio hosted within CBS sports. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but man, I, I gotta be honest, working for CBS is a dream come true. And, and to be able to like the loyalty, I can't tell you enough. And you know, from music, you know, one day you're hot, one day you know, sure. you're always kind of striving. And while you do put pressure on yourself, you know, working for a network like this, where you're not always having to look over your shoulder, where there's a certain comfort level, where if you do your job and you work hard and you're good to the people that you work with, you know, you kind of get the impression that opportunities are going to come your way and that they're not just always looking for the, you know, the young, you know, hit yeah. next person coming down the line. I, and honestly, that's not always the way it is in TV. In fact, it, I think this is probably more the exception than the norm. So what is your, you know, in, in, in your community of, of people that you work with, what is the, what is the consensus in your view about sports and, and what's happened this year? I think any of us who kind of try to say that we know, um, we don't, um, I get the impression that the NFL come heck or high water is going to find a way to play. Um, whether that's in a select few stadiums, whether it's empty stadiums, whether it's at 25% capacity, whether it's the broadcasts. And I have no prior knowledge of this. I'm just kind of based on what I'm seeing. I guess NASCAR is kind of the first opportunity that we've had to look at it. But could I see a situation where games are being broadcasted from, you know, a, a studio or an area back in New York city? Um, maybe that's going to happen, but no matter what, you have to have cameramen on site. Right. And we've seen that with NASCAR. So I think one way or another, the NFL is going to find a way to play. Um, Major League Baseball and NBA, I think they're still very much in the air. And at the NBA, they're talking about late July. That just seems like too late for me. Um, but, and with Major League Baseball, that's kind of, it feels like kind of a mess how they're going to figure that out. College football, I think, is very much up in the air. And I have no inside knowledge at all. Um, but college football, because you've got different states and different universities coming up with different rules and different ideas of how they want to begin to open up and different timelines, I think that gets a little bit tricky. Would yeah. it shock me if one way or another the SEC found a way to play? No. Um, but in terms of every FBS school, coming together to play and to begin this thing at the end of August or early September, that feels like a crapshoot right now yeah. um, here in late May. How do they, how would they, I mean, especially colleges depend on that finance so much, right? I mean, TV with, yeah. with, with, with major league sports is a little bit different. I mean, it's a lot more money. Is it, or, or is it the same? And how, how does that work? Or, or, you know, in the sense of how would college, I guess per capita wise, does college, need the money from people coming to the games as opposed to where NFL can make more the, as much money on the TV. How, how does that work? With, with mm, I would say, I would say universities are going to be harder hit because so many universities rely on that football budget to fund everything else. 
And even within the power five, you know, like um, you can talk about power five schools that have baseball teams, like in the big 10, where they're still relying on the football budget. Yeah. Right. I mean, baseball, unless you're down in the sec or maybe out in the pack 12, but even those, I think that there's such reliance on football. I think the scary part is, and you've already seen it with, with different, you know, smaller programs having to like cut baseball or having to cut track and field or some of the, you know, lesser, lesser sports. And right now, I don't think we're going to see power five schools have to do that. But if they go a full college football season without a season, even in the SEC, even in the big 10, even in the big 12, I mean, they cannot afford to have that happen. And yeah, it's going to hurt the networks, but obviously the, the schools rely on that network television money. So they've got to have games being played with the television money in terms of the breakdown between, you know, putting 80,000 butts in the seats, TV, obviously networks and, and TV is, it, that's the biggest thing going right yeah. now in terms of driving the train. But I mean, you can't sneeze at how much you're going to lose with so, receipts so well. you, but can you not play these games? I, I, you know, Clint talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I, I mean, I asked him, I said, you know, is it how different is it without people in the stands, right? Is that not going to change the whole dynamic? It, I, I mean, because playing without people in the stands is a, is a possibility. That would be the best possibility if, you know, worst case scenario, best possibility would be nobody yeah. in the stands, two teams play, you know, right. You know, how much do you think that changes the dynamic of the whole freaking game? I mean, in a football, that's got to be base. I mean, baseball, maybe not so much, but football for sure. I mean, that could change who wins, right? I mean, not having that, you know, not having hope. Right. That, that to me, I think is going to be the most interesting part. That's where college football is even more affected the NFL. If there's no fans. Just think about the how much of college football you tune in. I mean, it's your team, but I mean the pageantry and the fan yeah. bases and the cheerleaders and the bands and all that. Like, there is so much with college football surrounding the game, to where if you don't have that, yeah, completely. Now, would I rather? I'd rather have college football, regardless fans or not. I'd rather have at least games. Right. But yeah, I think it's going to make a huge impact. And I've been I've been watching Bundesliga. Now, as I watch these NASCAR races, I don't. I do know it is a big difference and I know they need the fans back, but to me, it's been okay. Yeah. But like I watched the Bundesliga, the German league. And I mean, it's just echoes in the stands. Now, yesterday, the top two teams played in the Bundesliga and the game was fantastic. And they piped in crowd noise. Right. I talked to a friend today and he was like, that was awesome. The pipe, the crowd. And I was like, I hated it. You know? So I mean, it just felt so artificial listening to these, you know, because clearly there's no one in the stadium. Um, but yeah, at the same time, he was like, well, would you rather have the echoes when you can hear everybody, every word from every guy in the field? And I was like, good point. I don't know. But it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's this like could this deal. could end up being I, I mean, you know, the, I've heard I've heard things. I, you know, obviously it's so late early in the game, but where we may never go back to a full stadium ever. You know, I, and so can you imagine having a, a the the crowd look like a Sony PlayStation 4 game where they just they put <laughs> the same person in the stand doing this and they pipe in the crowd. I mean that that could be a possibility. It could change sports. I mean it could change sports forever. I mean, honestly. I, I this is it, it, I don't know. That's how. 
that that that's scary to think because then I think about your you know with music too. Does that mean that if right. you're playing? I will stay in this of, seat and never leave this house again. You understand me? I, this is this is the greatest thing that's ever. This is wonderful. All right, I got a dog. <laughs> I got a French bulldog. So speaking of music, you know when when. When did you decide to not do that growing up? And now you're you're looking at that as something that you want to do. What what is this all about? Well, let me can I just first say this because I think this needs to be said. I guys like you, guys like Chad Beard, who's obviously a part of your show and, and one of your I have been floored by the fact that people in the, within the industry who have accomplished so much, way more than I'll ever accomplish. Guys such as yourself are like so welcoming to the idea that a guy all of a sudden, oh, well, yeah, I'm a musician too. Yeah, I'm a television broadcaster. Oh, I'm a musician too. Like, I honestly, I expected people to be like, who is this guy? What does he think? But like, it, that's such the cool thing about musicians like yourself, like in people in Nashville, like they're like, yeah, bring it on. This is cool. This is kind of cool that the guy is a, a television anchor. And he, so I got that has to be said because oh, I didn't even take, I didn't even take myself that seriously doing it until. A guy like Chad was like, hey, come out on tour with me. Play some of your music. Hey, I want to hear some of your music. Hey, this Instagirl song is kind of fun. That, that's going to be one we, we're going to shoot a music video of in a couple of weeks. And, um, and some of your people have been, thank God, John Dewar. Oh, your guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, he, you know, um, he's now helping me with my social media and, and with some stuff like that. But it's just like, I, I never had picked up a guitar until I turned 40. Uh, and now I'm about to turn 44. So... I was way late to do this and I needed a hobby. Um, I just didn't, wasn't, you know, I get a lot of time off in the summers and I went to guitar. Rick Neuheisel, the former UCLA coach, Washington coach. I work with him at CBS and he's always playing his guitar. Um, and he was like, yeah, you got to take it up. And it was either going to be surfing, but in order to surf around New York city, there is surfing, but it's like an hour away on the train. <laughs> and you got to carry your board. So I figured it'd be easier to pick up a guitar. Long story short, I learned those first four or six chords or eight chords, you know, pretty quickly, you know, you can, you sure. can get going a little oh, bit yeah. and country music as you know, three chords in the truth. And so I started covering <laughs> some songs, you know, within a month or so I was kind of playing some fun songs and I kind of started writing some songs and I had no idea that I had that part of that artist whole thing, you know? And I was like, man, I, I got a lot to say here. Um, and so I kind of did like I had some, start writing some country, some, kind of sad songs, you know, some stuff I had experienced. And next thing you know, you know, I had eight or nine songs that I thought were okay. And I started working with some guys in Brooklyn and some other guys in New York city. And um, not that they had a big country music background, but definitely there's a lot of talented musicians in and around New York city, as you know, as you can imagine, and kind of helped me put together some stuff and start recording some songs and, and um, you know, start trying to make some inroads there and, and, Next thing you know, we're, we're playing a, a weekly show at the Wayland, which is a really cool country bar uh, on the west side of New York City. You walk in there and you feel like you're in the middle of Broadway, Nashville. <laughs> it's crazy. The middle of Manhattan. And then we started playing, you know, the Bitter End down at Greenwich Village, which, you know, Bob Dylan, Lady Guy, you know, a lot of people would come through there and get some opportunities to play and around the city. And I was, I still wasn't kind of taking it seriously, but a lot of my friends and people that I work with, who knows, maybe they were just pumping my tires, but it kind of felt like other people around me were more like, Hey, this is, this is really cool. And it kind of just treated it like, Hey, you playing at the Whalen this weekend? Hey, where's your next show? We want to come and this and that. And to the point where after a couple of years, I, 
you know, I'm probably just within about the last year, I kind of started saying, all right, I've played some shows in Nashville. I played in Memphis with Chad and I've, you know, I've got this recorded music and we're going to shoot a music video and we're going to release our first single this summer. And Hey, uh, who knows where this might go? So that's kind of my story. <laughs> long, it's, sorry, no, long it's, I, I, Personally, I think that there's two ways to go. I mean, you, you can start when you're 20 years old, move here and just eat eat all the stuff that it has to offer. Or you get, if you can get to a point in your life and career where you can do this for fun. Because I, I for me, I, it, I took so much of the fun out of it at an early you know, stage because I was trying to make it a business. I was trying to do the deal and it really kind of hurt the the way I, you know, that I, you know, a lot of people get jaded with it, but I, I mean, you have a lot of fun with it. You can tell, I mean, I think that's really cool. And, and, and obviously using a platform like, you know, what you have is that's the way to go. I mean, especially with social media now, I mean, that that's, it's so different than it was 15 years ago, uh, you know, 10 years ago. That's what I've heard. I mean, I guess there's there's no better time to just get music out there. Then again, I, I suppose there's no other time when it's been this flooded, right? And try to separate yourself. I don't know. I mean, it's just. I, I think that people like John Dewar and 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 some of these social media guys uh, that that are, you know, helping people get above the fray. I mean, it's it's really, it's about content and it's about doing it all the time. It's not something that I, you know, it for me personally social media was just something that you had to do. And it was never something that I flooded, but especially doing the show over the last, you know, two months, I've put more content out than I ever have. And it's unbelievable. I mean, people really, they want to continually see stuff, you know? Yeah. I always felt like it was a burden, you know, and, and you don't want to, the less I post the better, cause maybe more people would pay attention to it. But I, We went on. We went on to talk more about my life, Brett Stover. Uh, there's uh, more to that interview. I, I'm going to use bonus uh, content. We talked a lot about music industry in Nashville, and I want to. I'm going to put that on the podcast, which you can download at hvvcast.com. Thank you, Brett, for uh, joining us today. And we're going to play his his song. Uh, what, what's the name of the song? Insta Girl Next Door. Insta Girl Next Door. That's going to be the song of the week. Right now, we'd like to uh, thank our sponsors, if possible. Can we do that? There they are, the ones that keep it going, keep it alive. We'd like to thank Guidance Whiskey, Modern Media Geeks, our buddy John Dewar, Sony Audio, Aurora Nutriscience. Uh, we're going to give a, a lucky uh, person that's commented tonight, anybody that comments, we're going to uh, throw your name in the ring and, and f- for a free uh, vitamin pack, uh, supplements from Aurora Nutriscience uh, that's really helped us out. and. Um, Kill Q10, cumin, vitamin C, uh, which vitamin C, uh, oddly enough, there's been a lot of studies. I've just uh, been looking at studies where they are talking about vitamin C and fasting shrinking tumors. So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're starting to do uh, some trials on humans. Not that that's a terrible uh, uh, what group to be a part of, but vitamin pumping large amounts of vitamin C. It's very interesting. I think we might talk about that at some point in time. Uh, this week... Uh, we got to get we got to get Andy back on on Conspiracy Corner, um, but we want to let you guys know too that anybody listening to the show live is is welcome to call in. Uh, our phone number is there at the bottom, and uh, you can be a part of the conversation if that's uh, what you choose to do. We'd love to talk to you, and I'm trying to I try to answer people here on the 
on the uh, the comment section, but Chad's not Chad's not really good at it. Well, I'm trying. I'm also trying to figure out what comments like stool breath much mean. Well, that's a person obviously that's drinking stool breath much. And plus I know that guy and oh. he's 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 a big drinker, big drinker. So Did he, he get a bottle of the whiskey? I not yet. I, I you know we gotta Maybe get, you should send me some. It'll it'll help the stool breath much. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Conspiracy Corner tonight, we we left off last week um talking about DNA. And, um, you know, basically the collection of information, uh, user agreements that we all sign um, and we don't even read, right? That's a big deal. And there's a lot of information that you give away with, you know, that you don't even notice or, or don't even really think about because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to use your iPhone or your, or your uh, Android or, your, or whatever the case is, software being a big one too for, for yourself, Um but we were talking about one thing in particular was DNA and, and Ancestry.com and, and 23andMe and some of these programs that make you swab, you know, the inside of your mouth, the inside of your nose, and you send the information uh, off to, uh, to get it to check your DNA. And, and, and what people don't realize is that you only get a small, small uh, amount of, of information uh, from this. The, you do personally a lot a lot of things that that can't be you really can't spend it would cost you a thousand dollars to kind of read the whole genome and you only get a very small amount of information but drug companies and bigger corporations that are buying this information because that's the problem is that you swab your mouth and you send it in and third parties can be anybody they can be uh, local and state county country governments they can be a, a, a a pharmaceutical company that's making a drug, you know, like we, we saw what's uh, uh shoot. What's, I can't remember the, the, the um, pharmaceutical company that was making a specific drug to lower your cholesterol. Um, and they were, they were buying information from people who were sending in swabs. Uh, and, and that's how they were making this drug. I mean, this is, this is just one more thing that, uh, and is that Andy? Is it Andy? That's Andy with a new T-shirt. Oh, look at Andy's. Look, oh, conspiracy corner. Oh, and Parker even got the graphics. Can you hear me all right? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, God dang it, Andy. That's juicy. He's got the Barry White voice cranking. That's tonight. juicy. <laughs> Good. Conspiracy corner, Andy. Conspiracy corner. Oh, we're doing it. I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, me too. I, I I know Rick's Rick's love. This is his best part. We have to I have to do Rick Rick technology today's after us today. I'm, we <laughs> we I, I went on vacation and uh, I, I've I've messed up the whole show. I've messed up the whole show. That's all right. Did you so, have fun out there? Was it good? It was good. It was good to see mom and dad. And West Virginia lo- is looking uh, mighty mighty spiffy. Mighty spiffy. You brought back a kid with you. Okay, yes, it's my nephew, and and I brought back a kid. I, I my, my brother said, you know, I know you think you're never going to have children, but you know, just take this one and see how it goes. Just to, we, I got a couple of them. Take this one with you. He looks almost a little like me. I mean, I don't know. He's super skinny. That's disappointing. And sad. He also seems much more intelligent already. Bring up the sparkle can for me. He, 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 the kids are very intelligent. I, is that is that how it works? Are most kids more intelligent than their predecessors? I mean, it's or is it just the way we look at things because we're old and we're that's how we're looking at the world now? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, I think 
they definitely have access to more information than we did as kids. I mean, if did you ever try to read the entire set of encyclopedias? Because there was no internet that you could just Google it. Well, I mean, I I don't know, Andy. I'm, I I wish I, I'm trying to think back to times in my life when technology. I remember having my first the Macintosh. No, is it a Macintosh? Yeah. No. No, it wasn't a Macintosh. It was a Microsoft. What was those things with the cow logo? Or whatever. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yes, like an IBM. No. Oh, was it IBM? I don't. It doesn't matter. Either way, it was a five and a half inch floppy, and and you could have five uh, megabytes of information on it. The Commodore sixty four. A Commodore sixty four. That was a great band. Just played Oregon Trail. (laughs) Oregon Trail. Nobody realizes that's the Andy. That's Gateway. Give it (laughs) Parker. Parker's first words. Gateway. Gateway. A gateway game. A gateway game. Gross. It's probably the last game I played. Well, Andy, at the end of Conspiracy Corner last week, talked to us about uh, CRISPR, which I've read about. Um, but Andy, give us a little bit of a rundown on what this is. All right. Well, uh, they've they've figured out a way. And they, okay, we've been doing this for a long time, which is kind of the crazy thing. Uh, I mean, for thousands of years, you know, we've been we've been selecting and kind of, uh, you know, through our agriculture, our livestock and everything. I mean, we've already been kind of pre-selecting, um, you know, the best attributes out of everything that we want to keep, you know. So uh, CRISPR, man, uh, weird stuff. Clustered interspaced short palindromic repeats. Basically just. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Say that slower. Clustered interspaced short palindromic repeats. Cas9. So uh, it's basically it's an enzyme that they found that's able to find these sequences in DNA. So um, you know, you basically you've got uh, a bacteriophage, right? A bacteriophage is they kill bacteria. So when a and what it'll actually do is it's like a virus, kind of like how the coronavirus is working. The virus will come just like most of the all viruses. They they uh, inject their DNA into a bacteria and want to take it over to create more of its own basically make a factory of its own stuff but some of these some of these uh bacterium they survive and when they survive this they're still alive but they keep a partial copy of the rna that came from the virus the bacteriophage so the the bacteria can keep this and then the the virus will come back and attack again once it attacks again it's going to make a partial copy of that rna which activates this cas9 it says the number nine protein in the dna sequence and it's going to go through and start comparing all the dna sequences through that bacterium and find the ones that are exactly the same from that virus and clip them off and dispose of them now we've basically been able to figure out that algorithm and figure out how to use those enzymes to Isolate <laughs> these enzymes. <laughs> so basically, yeah, you got your, your it's uh, adenine, cytosine, guanine, thymine, you know, and they, they connect you know, the in, in the helix. So basically, we've been doing this for a long time, and, this, and there's a lot of scary questions that come along with it um, because, you know, you can kind of compare it to being like uh, in the 70s. We're in the 70s right now with computer technology, you know, like um, we're at the very beginning of this. And it's extremely, it's been an extremely revolutionary thing. Um, 
that that they've gotten together with this and it's it's still but it's still in the very first phases of it and it's going to take some time for them to figure that out but it's the ethical and the moral questions that come along with it i think are the biggest issues and the big thing about it is that if they're able to do this if they were able to make a tomato rot you know a hundred percent at a hundred percent less scale than it normally would due to isolating dna genes what makes you think that they couldn't isolate a gene in a virus and possibly create something that could affect only certain people, um, right? Certain right. age groups, certain people that have certain types of DNA sequences in their body, not affect all, but affect some. Some people are asymptomatic. Some people die in a week. So, okay, good point. So, this is the big conspiracy theory with five G, that that right. scientists are figuring out ways to make a virus that can be activated using those microwaves, right? And and this is this is a big issue. And countries. There have been there have been five or six countries, uh, Switzerland, uh, Belgium, uh, Hawaii's having a problem, and that's not a country, obviously, but a state. But th- there are some areas that and countries that have said no, we're not going to roll this out. Nobody is able to prove that these are not good or bad for us, or that cell phone, you know, the cell phone technology is not going to change. You know, the big thing is that. The ionization of, of, of atoms where it, it knocks the electron off is what the hurts you, the x-rays, all those types of things. And so these things, normally a 2.4 gig, it's it's going, I think, something like, it, it's like 20 or 40 hertz or some, some, some kind of number that's very low. And then when you move up to 5G, it all of a sudden shoots up to, to gigs instead of megs, right? And you're saying that, we could find viruses or that somebody could find a virus transmit that thing because 5g they can pinpoint you directly right in a crowd right sure and yeah yeah um i think it to me if they were going to use that for anything um like that it would be more of um to to create a blurred line you know to where it's not these right. people get infected. These people don't get infected. Old people get it. Young people don't. They've created this blurred line, and it's possible that they've been able to find some sort of sequence in our DNA that only certain people react to it certain ways. And now there's this blurred line because there's really the information is is all over the map. Old people get it sometimes. Even old people are asymptomatic. Who knows? I mean, it's, there's no basis of real information. So they could use that to kind of blur lines in a way that's it's it's interesting so we go back to some of the stuff that got us here in the first place last week with people giving their information to companies like 23andme ancestry.com and these types of things you know have you have seen anything in in some of the research that you've been doing where it's not you know because a lot of the things that i've looked at is where you see the government using uh dna from these buying dna samples or going through subpoenaing subpoenaing these this information and 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 deporting people back to their home country or or finding you know illegal immigrants and that kind of thing when it comes to the scientific part are they're able to now you can go in and say i want a baby with blonde hair with mm-hmm. blue right is that that's um, happening they're not there yet no they're not that far along yet um that's and see that's kind of the fear and that's where the ethical thing starts to come into play because once you do that to one baby, you open that door. You, you you make one baby born with even just something 
Um, say there's a, a somebody that has a genetic mutation in their families. That's going to be the first type of thing that CRISPR is, is. I mean, they're using it now. It's still being developed, but that'll be the first things that we'll see is eliminating uh, genetic diseases in family uh, family lines, heart diseases, things like that. But then eventually, what it will turn into is like you want a baby with blue hair or blonde hair, blue right. eyes. It could happen. But once you open that door. That's the problem because if they're able to isolate a gene to that extent, something something as uh, as as surface level as the color of your skin or eyes or hair, they're damn well able to isolate genes enough to give you a better metabolism, uh, smarter, taller, right, bigger muscles. Because we're already doing that. We're already doing that with livestock, right? Yeah, you know the so, the pigs with the huge muscles and the. Cows that look like they've been, you know, steroided up. Yeah. Well, even with, I mean, even with things like, I mean, if we can figure out how to do, how you make a purple rose, I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing, right? I mean, yeah, and that stuff is all around. Because I mean, they've been it's... doing that since the seventies and the eighties. I mean, you can go to the pet store and buy a a, a glow in the dark zebra fish, you know, and you can, I mean, right, the first, you know, oh, right, yeah. You know, that stuff's happening. I mean, they, they've already been isolating things, and, and we've been doing it for thousands of years. This is honestly no different. They've actually just found it, found, um, an, um, honestly, it's like a natural GPS system that they've cracked with this protein that does its own comparisons and that they can modify this protein to do it to any other plant or animal and then eventually be able to isolate certain A's, C's, T's, or G's. No <laughs> kidding. It, yeah, so it's going to take some time, And but the, the scary part is the moral things because, um, you know, there's there's statistics. There, a lot of the research, I, can, I got s- some sources and things too, but there's, uh, in Europe, uh, I think it was 94% because they can, they can test fetuses for a lot of these things. And 94% of people that are discovering they're having their their child would be born with down syndrome um right this is what i wanted to yeah i'm glad you're doing it, this they're um they're aborting the the pregnancy and uh so that's a you know that's a very sensitive issue a sensitive thing to talk about but i mean that's a that's a tough question to ask a person a on the other side of the hill and b on the on the upside of the hill if what do you what happens if you find out in the early terms of your pregnancy that your child has down syndrome. Well, okay. Yeah. That's a question that's, that's asked. I mean, when, when we were having grant, one of the questions was, do you want to do this testing? We, we test, you know, the baby's DNA and we can tell you if, you know, it looks like it's going to have issues. If it looks like it's down syndrome or it's, you know, any of these other, um, you know, there's a whole list of things that they test for in that in like your first trimester. I mean, so what you, you, what, I mean, did you take the test? No. All right. So the issue is matter to, I mean, it didn't matter to us. If your baby was going, let's say you did, if this doctor come back to you and said, what if the government passes a law that says no more down syndrome babies? Now, now we've created a way to alleviate and eradicate all down syndrome in babies and they just test the baby well if, before if you, but like they test your baby they don't even ask anymore they come out and say this baby's got going to have down syndrome what do you do now 
Because that could happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it, right? And well, you, you think about countries in the past where, you know, where even the sex of the baby. I mean. It, oh, sure. You know, you want it. You know, you know, you only wanted boys. You wanted an heir or things like that. Um, but this is this is far beyond that. This, right. is, this is a situation sure, but, where you could literally go in. And the other thing is, too, Andy, I've heard I've heard that this is something that's being researched now, too, is where let's say you have a child that's going to the tendency. You know, remember, we have a, we have a friend that their whole family had the, the breast cancer gene. And so they, and, and this is something women are doing where they go in, they test for this gene and they get, they, they, they pre, they just go ahead and, and do the, 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 um, what's it called? The, 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 when you, when you get a vasectomy? breast, no, no, that's must Mus- me. Is that what it is? I was going to say vasectomy. I don't think they, I don't think that's right. Um, mastectomy, mastectomy. Yes. So they're going in pre pre, you know, and, and before they get cancer and just getting it done because this gene is going to give them a 95% of getting cancer. So if you, things like that, so not some, Down syndrome's hard. If you're, you're the only one of us that's had children. Right. If a doctor came to you and said, your son or daughter is going to have Down syndrome, what would you do? Is that something you, you might not feel comfortable answering that oh, question. I, I mean, yeah. it didn't matter. We, had, you know, for us, it, it didn't matter. This was the child that we were going to have. We were going to have this child regardless. Um, so, so it didn't matter. No, so that's why we chose not to do the test. Because it, it wouldn't have mattered right. what kind of special needs that this baby was born with or not. This was still our gift. And so I understand. But I, I'm sorry. I don't think that's fair. I, I this this is a this is a line with me. Down syndrome is not a death sentence. I understand the, the earth and world is hard enough to live in when you got all the digits and, and some similarity of a, of a, a, a normal chance at, at growing up and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Down syndrome not only puts so much, so much stress on the parents, but but worrying about the child after you die. There, there. It's not just why you're alive. It's as a parent. I mean, children that that think about the kids that are in a wheelchair and and can't ever talk and will never walk or be have a normal life, that will outlive the parents, and you have to work even harder. I understand the gift part, and I'm saying this not having children, so it's hard for me to to be. I can't express exactly but if a doctor said this person this kid will never walk he won't talk or whatever the case is that's not something you would ever think about no i mean for me that 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 child still has purpose it whatever reason it was given to this world it's it still has purpose i mean i i've gotten to be around all kind of people of who have special needs and they, they, they still have something to give. I mean, their, their abilities, you know, their, their disabilities doesn't take away from the abilities they do have. I mean, down syndrome people in particular that I've had the, the fortune of being around those, they are the happiest people. And, and, and maybe, they, maybe this isn't down syndrome. I mean, right, let's, I let's mean, take this one step. Just, there are right. The, the next, let's take it to the next step. Let's We're take it. One, one particular thing. Right. You know, down syndrome. I get it. Right. You know, that, that, that's not something necessarily that you can't have a, a fruitful life. That is true. If you go to the next level where you have, where if a doctor tells you, listen, this child might not make it till his 15th birthday, that kind of thing. Does that even matter? And at that point in time, 
what if what if a doctor can tell you we have the ability to go in and change what this we're going to we're telling you you have a 95% chance that your child is going to be born with something that's not going to let it live to its 15 if you let us get in there and change his dna we we can give you an 85% prog, you know prognosis that that this kid is going to have a better life what do you do then well, I mean, we're cl- we're closer to things like cancer cures and, and and different diseases like that than we are to actually changing the, hu- the human genome, like as far as looks and things like that. But they can take they can use this CRISPR and take your own cells, run and basically run this program. It's a, I mean, it's a biological program, but and then inject yourself back in. They've already done it a couple times, um, like 2016, 2017, I think. And um, basically, it's able to kind of reverse cancer. I mean, they're trying. They're saying that eventually, down the line, in comparison, like where we are from 1970s, you know, what I'm saying technology. Give it that much time, they might be able to make us live longer. Aging genes, things like that. Not to get too far off the thing, but I mean, um, do you not? Do you not see that, that? Okay, so we look at this stuff and we and we think about okay, people are giving their they're giving their DNA to get studied. They're giving their, you know, we're, we're, you know, what was the big thing with the the, the fetal, um, when when a baby's born, they're using that the the you know the for the uh, the studies for what's that what's that called, when it when it when it the placenta no the, the the actual fetus was is being used oh, stem cell research stem cell research right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that you get in and you you talk about moral issues and and we talk about you know what what. These these things that that, for instance, cancer is if, if if a baby is getting aborted, for instance, and that baby was going is go, you know we have that that's legal it's whatever the case is we're sending that baby to get you know tested DNA the whole the whole nine stem cells everything and that cures you from cancer. It is interesting to see what rights are we willing to give away for the chance of being able to walk again or to not have cancer or to give our children a better chance. That to me is the most interesting part about this conversation, you know, because the moral part is like what Chad's saying. It's, it's a good contrast in the sense that I don't want to know. I, whatever comes out is what I'm going to deal with. Then you have people like me and, and the practical side of stuff is that if we can use some of this stuff to help people that are living fine, if, if a child doesn't have to be born, I have a conscious issue, you know, that, that, I don't remember what it was like to be a sperm and when they hit the egg and, you know, and, and I don't remember really the first five years of my life. So sometimes I think I have a cavalier attitude towards, uh, you know, stem cell research and or abortion, depending on, you know, what the structure of the child is. I, it, it, if the child's going to have a hard time or, or a harder time, this CRISPR thing and uh, mixed with the fact of DNA collection as a, as a society, is it something that you've seen, Andy, with what you've been reading, where government and and people in general that that the government will let the people know or have a choice, or is this something that's coming regardless? I mean, it's something that's coming regardless of of what we do about it now, right? We can't it's stop. It's already it's already here. That's the thing. Yeah, it's already here. We're already doing it. They're already using the technology. They're already using it on cancer patients. Um, I mean, we. It, it's it's no different than honestly. It's just a, a, a nano version of us 
killing off the weaker cow or the weaker, you know what I'm saying? And breeding the dog that we want because it does X, X and X. And what's the, and the scary part, you know, like what happens when this gets even zoomed in even more, it's like, okay, this, your, your child has a tendency to, is going to have a tendency to be temperamental or have, have a tendency to, uh, he's going to probably be right. left-handed. I mean, and the, and the weird moral thing that's, that comes, because there's both sides to it, are you playing God? Well, okay, if this actually works, and this is something that is, is, is a real thing, then the moral obligation is, is to not deny babies and, ch- and children to be The best born. chance. Yeah, so it's like, so if this works, then then is the moral obligation to use it all the time? I mean, at that point, but... You know, where's the trade-off? Yeah, I mean, we I think we use things all the time in our life that at some point, if if you go back far enough, and when the technology was first coming out, that that people was like, no, that's going to kill everybody, or that's not going to help anybody. You can't, we can't go that. I mean, we can't do that. And then years go by, and you're like, and now you're just using a cell phone. When everybody said, I mean, for years, there's no question, cell phones and cancer are an issue. It's still an issue, and now the five G is. It feels like every time something new comes out, that there's this there's this thing where it's like let's, it's not gonna you know it's gonna kill us, because five mm-hmm. G has got if you get take some time to research five G. I really want to do, and maybe that's something we can do next week. I really want to get one step deeper into five G because something that you mentioned earlier, that I don't think people understand with five G is that five G can pinpoint you. In a crowd, because you can say that the government and people can track your cell phone. That is correct. They can track you in an area. 5G goes one step further and can actually pinpoint you in a crowd. They could, uh, Verizon could send you something or see you directly, talk to you directly through 5G. It, it That's how precise this, this system is. Precise enough to where it could take over, surge, you know, it could take over surgeries that are very difficult uh, that, that, you know, where it would take only one per 1% of 1% of the doctors that could potentially do a certain type of surgery. 5g could give us the ability to actually have surgeries done on us by robots. Well, I mean, it's no, it's no secret that the vibrations, radiation and energy are going to change how our DNA interacts and how our, how our, how we, our bodies grow cellular growth. They were doing it since the sixties, sixties looking into the CRISPR stuff, genetic modification. They were, they were putting in the sixties, they were putting radiation on the plants and all sorts of vegetables to try to get them to do certain grow certain ways, you know, and, and that's what turns it into GMOs, you know, like genetically modified, modified organisms, yeah. things like that. But, well, damn, that was good. I, 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 that, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you had that ready because I, I sure never <laughs> couldn't have gone down that rabbit hole. That was uh, that, this is Andy Lieb, Andy Candy Lieb, How Andy you doing? Candy Lieb. Yeah, uh, you got you got a commercial for us. I can. You you got something quick there? Because I, I got to get to Rick before he goes to sleep. Oh, not well. Yeah, I mean it take me a second. I got to dig. Go to Rick. All right, we're gonna Dude. go to Rick. All right, that's what I'll we're gonna be, do. I'll be prepared with some stuff next All week. Right, for th- it. Okay. Well, I mean, you gonna hang out or you uh, you going? I can hang out. All right. All right. Well, we, we, Rick. Rick, Rick Borgia in our technology today uh, segment uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, doing what Andy has done with his life. And that is uh, he has brought technology into his home and he opens his garage with it. Here's Rick Borgia, technology today.
Rick. What, what is today's technology? Well, today we're going to talk about uh, smart home technology and uh, and being integrated, starting within our own homes. And, uh, you know, these days you buy any kind of gadget or, or piece of technology, inevitably it's connected in some way. It's got Wi-Fi connectivity. It's got smart home connectivity. Uh, essentially, it gives you a greater level of control than traditionally you would have with, uh, you know, a small little device. And a lot of that stems from uh, a concept that we like to call the Internet of Things. And if you're not sure what that is, basically, it's the fact that everything, like I said, products are all connected in some way. And all of these products, they form this this connected uh, environment. And essentially, when you're talking about Internet of Things, there are three main components that really uh, make something apply to that that the, the, the physical component, that's obviously the, the mechanical and electrical parts that make that thing. There's the smart component of that, which is the sensors, the microprocessors, data storage, software, uh, sometimes an embedded operating system within that device. And then there's the connectivity component of it. Uh, and these are the ports, the antenna, the protocols. This is what gets it online. And e- that whole environment, somebody at some point called it the, the internet of things. And and the Internet of Things is that concept is what you know starts in the home and you end up building a smart home environment. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about a, a smart home environment, you're talking about uh, all the things that are within your house that eventually uh, give you more control. Now, most people, before they dive into building a smart home, it starts with a need and, and they want to have some kind of control. Uh, inevitably that starts with lighting. So let's say you have a, a light in your living room and, you know, it's, we, we have a lamp, you know, you go to a wall switch, you turn it on, or you fiddle down a switch on the floor, you turn it on. And at some point somebody says, I wish I could remote turn that on. Okay. Well, there's, there's, there's products like that, a little remote switch that you can get, but obviously everybody has their smart home phone in their hand and they would love to be able to control from that. Um, once you go down that path and you want to, get what's called smart lighting. Then there are benefits that that come with that, that, you know, depending upon the technology they get to integrate that. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you realize it, but you can dim the light without it having being connected to a traditional dimmer. So you get a smart bulb in there and yeah, you can, you can set different luminance settings. Uh, you can control the light from anywhere because now it's, it's a, a, a smart light and it's connected to your phone and uh, and having that control anywhere brings a bunch of possibilities there. Let's say you're not home, you're getting home late, but as a security feature, you want people to think you're home, you can set that light on a timer so it automatically comes on or off. Um, so that helps. Uh, if you're more artistic, you can change colors. You know, you have the ability to change color and, and the, the uh, you know, build an environment with your smart lighting. Um, one of the benefits with smart lighting that I love is more of a health benefit because now they have smart lights that control the the wavelengths they put out to stimulate melatonin production um, and also contribute to your natural circadian rhythm to help you sleep better and then you wake up more energized. So these are cool things that that you know that it starts with that and then you know you buy something that gives you that smart lighting component. So it could be the bulb itself, could be a smart light. Philips Hue is a very popular line of smart lighting uh, uh, products that. They might just be traditional white bulbs or you have multicolored bulbs that can all screw into a traditional Edison socket there. 
or you have like what you see here in the upper left corner, uh, they have a bigger uh, bulb that you can tuck into a corner to give you more of a, like an uplighting look if you want to create an environment there. So that's one way to get into smart lights. Uh, if you have a lamp and it has bulb and you really just want to be able to turn that lamp on and off, then you get what's called a smart outlet. Now, this could be a little plug-in module that plugs into your outlet, and then you plug the light into that. And then that module, you connect that you know, to, to the internet, and it's inevitably they're controlled by an app on your phone. And then you can have some smart connectivity for that lamp. I, uh, the first time I bought one of these, I put my Christmas tree on it. Right. You know, so then I could you know, turn the Christmas tree on and off, put it on a timer. I didn't have to you know, uh, mechanically me mess with that. You can also get a smart switch. So let's say you you the the plug is in, back behind a, um, a cabinet and the lamps in there and you you still have a light switch that controls that plug. Well, you can replace that switch with a smart switch. Does the same thing. Gives the ability to remote turn it on and off, put a timer on it, you know, stuff like that. So this is a this is all technology that ultimately brings you to this smart home environment. And there's all the other things that that are consumer convenience, part of your lifestyle that have smart capability to it. Next thing you know, you've got smart doorbells that have integrated cameras in them for a security feature. I've got a ring doorbell, so I, it has a motion sensor on it. It lets me know when someone's at the front door. What I love about it is anytime a package gets dropped off, I'm notified. I can see the, you know, look on my phone. I can see the, the delivery guy drop it off. And if someone's home and I'm not there, I can have them grab the package because, you know, you see stories all the time, people stealing packages. So sure. that's kind of a, a cool feature there. Or if someone rings the doorbell and you're not home, but you can answer it and you can address it over your phone. So smart doorbells uh, and inevitably smart doorbells uh, pave the way to smart door locks. So, I, the, again, for a personal experience, uh, I love this because, you know, let's say my, my kid, she's at school three blocks away. She'll walk home from school. She'll ring the doorbell or I see her coming on my on my phone. I say hi to her. I can unlock the door and let her in. So it's just, you know, let's let's talk about convenience there. Smart thermostat controlling the environment. Now you can set your thermostat not just on a schedule, but it also has they have motion motion sensors detect to see if someone is home and it'll adjust accordingly to, you know, raise the temperature, lower the temperature. You can even set up a geofence around your neighborhood so it detects when you're on your way home and adjusts the temperature Jeez. that way as well unbelievable crazy huh uh i i have one of these products this is a this is a smart garage door controller i have the one on the right and uh they can be used with any garage door opener uh the the base station that's mounted on the wall is connected to the internet and you know you control it through an app with notifications and it puts a little sensor on your garage door so that sensor mechanically tells the controller when it's open or it's closed. So if you're like me, it's forgetful. I'll, I'll leave the house. I'm like, did I close the garage door? I can literally look in my app and say, oh yeah, it's still open. I can remote close it. Um, I also get notifications if the garage opens and closes. Uh, you know, again, more of, about a matter of convenience sure. there. Smart refrigerator. Why would you want a smart refrigerator? Well, for a lot of people in the kitchen, this becomes kind of the, the hub of the kitchen. But there's there's also technology where it knows the products you know that you're putting in the fridge. It helps track expiration dates. You can uh, pull up recipes. Uh, it's it it's one of those things. That I like to put this into the category of you didn't know you needed it until you had it, and then when you had it, it opened up the the doorway for more convenience. So 
the the point of and with the smart refrigerator the point of it is like the that's the advancement of technology is the, your toaster is going to become a smart device now ultimately all of these devices chris they uh when you get them they have to be controlled in some way what you're going to end up happening is you're going to have a bunch of apps that control all these different devices and it gets to the point where we're like well which app controls the one lamp and all that you like it all to be at one central location controlled by one thing so that's when you start getting the like Samsung has this uh, device called the Smart Things Hub, and they have their line of, of products like switches and plugs and things like that. They're all controlled by this one hub, and that's one environment. Now that hub then can control be controlled by a smart speaker, and this is the Google Home. Uh, the Google Home was one of the first smart speakers that came out. It was a, a voice uh, uh, interactive uh, thing where you can. Uh, tie to the Google environment. You can tie your SmartThings hub or you can tie devices directly to Google Home. And that was this was the first device that paved the way to that voice-activated control of, hey, Google, turn on the lights or, hey, Google, you know, lower the temperature to 72 degrees or what have you. So what you see here is you got the Google Home, you got the Google Home Mini, and then you got the, the newest one, the big Google Home Max, this big giant speaker module there. Uh, inevitably, what followed from them, of course, was Amazon came out with their line of, of Echo products, uh, the Echo Dot, you know, the, the tall Echo. Now they've got, you know, they integrated video features into it, like the Echo Show. They've got a little small nightstand one called the Echo Spot. Amazon, you know, taking over the world, but they put out a ton of these smart home products and everyone got to know a girl named Alexa. Yep. And now you're talking to Alexa to not only uh, control uh, the smart thing features in your house, but also to provide you information. You're asking her questions. You're asking her how to do a recipe or, or what have you. Now, they weren't the, the first people to do that. They had um, the uh, Apple. They, create, they came out with a Siri, which was their personal assistant. And so because they had already uh, developed a voice interaction to that, uh, they came out with their own speaker eventually, the Apple HomePod. And this thing is a beast. It's, it's, it's a big 360-degree speaker that, again, gives you that uh, integration. It uses Siri. And then they came out with their line of, of smart home product connectivity called the Apple HomeKit. Now, all three of these, uh, these are the top three uh, smart speaker environments that um, you know, I wanted to talk about because they're the, the three you know, biggest ones out there. They, they each have their own pros and cons. Um, ultimately, uh, Google and Alexa have, have the widest spread over uh, uh, devices they can connect to. They also have that database that you can, you know, mine for information and so forth. Apple being Apple, they're more confined to their Apple environment. So they're going to force you to use Apple Music. They're going to, you know, you're going to talk to Siri and, and get your information through that Apple gateway. Um, whereas Google Home gives you the ability to tie to like Pandora, Spotify, all those YouTube. Uh, same thing with Alexa. Now, Alexa could connect to Apple. You can kind of finagle it a little bit. But these are ultimately just human interfaces. I have the Google Home. It's in the living room. It's kind of the centerpiece to control. It controls all the lights. I've got smart home lighting in my hallway, in the master bedroom, the Christmas tree, the backyard, the patio lights. I'm controlling my thermostat, the garage, the ring doorbell, all of those things. Now, I'm going to put a little caveat out there and just a, a warning. Now, it's easy, especially a guy like me, to get really turned on by all this connectivity and all this technology and wanting to connect everything. At the forefront of this, you always have to be mindful of security. 
you always have to be mindful of privacy and, and how you're sharing your data. So thankfully, a lot these companies, they all put those pro- protocols in, but you got to be smart about it. Like, for instance, if you're going to have your smart speaker control your garage door, don't put it near a window where someone who's going to break in your backyard can tell your Google Home to open the garage. Oh, you know, wow. It's, yeah. You, you got, yeah, you got to think about things like that. And thankfully, a lot of these devices have a specific voice recognition they can get. They can learn oh, a specific voice, but that. you got to be smart about that. I wanted to just give you a tease on a new product that Amazon's coming out with. Uh, they're in the uh, invitation phase right now. It's called the Echo Loop. It's a smart ring. And what this it does, it's, it's a little device that's connected to your, your, your phone remotely, and it's, on, and it's your remote you know, control from your, your hand here. So think you can you know, talk to it, say what's on my grocery list or whatever. You can double tap it to make calls. Uh, this is your Green Lantern power ring. You know, um, when I looked at the how the, the all the technology, I looked at this. I'm like, this looks like something Iron Man would would build. But <laughs> it's, you know, the, the technology is out there. It exists for convenience. It exists to uh, to uh, make your life better, uh, to enhance the human experience. Uh, but it comes with a price tag, yep. and it comes with the requirement of sp- a specific le- level of technical knowledge to be able to wire all that up. Uh, for me, it was about a month to get all these things integrated because it's not like it's one company that's pushing all this out. It's it's different products, and you, you want to buy the products based on what works together. I think you mentioned you have an Alexa at home. Or I, you, I have Alexa, like and, I, and I've done a lot of uh, research on the fact that uh, soon they are going – Google Home and Alexa are going to be able to work together. That's the, yeah. the products are going to be able to work together. So I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I think I would be more inclined to, you know, because I've already invested money in things like Alexa, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I have some Philips stuff and I have a Google product and I, I'd mm-hmm. be more inclined to make the whole house work together once I can, once everything can work together. You once know? you can get it all talking together for sure. Rick, I appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for, for today's technology today. You got it. Take care, Chris. You too, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. That's, uh, you know, Rick, I never noticed, I never noticed the, I never thought about the fact that somebody would break into your house and say, Google, uh, Google, uh, open up the garage door, unlock the door. You know, I never even thought about that. That's, I mean, I haven't either. That's pretty. It's interesting. Isn't there, there is an option though, that it's supposed to learn your voice. Right. Yes. Yes. It better damn well learn a voice. I mean, it'd be great. You'd just be sleeping one day, and somebody just is like, you just hear, a, uh, open up the door. You know. Well, even I'm, I mean, so it's built in, so like, the kids can't go over there and say, "Hey, order forty-seven thousand packs of gummy worms." Oh, good point. <laughs> which is all, which has been done, right? Well, it was one of my friends posted the other day that apparently um, they let their kid. Uh, they were going to order something from Amazon. So they gave the kid the phone and the kid thought they were adding it to the cart, but they were hitting order now. And it's the <laughs> one button. So all these, were, they said they had like, they had like 15 posters of the, uh, the kid from Outer Banks, like show up at their house because they just kept hitting order now. Oh There's, but they had a whole, box of stuff they were just waiting to send back to amazon because their kid just went on a shopping spree <laughs> they thought they were adding to cart and they were just hitting order now 
Speaking of order now, uh, Aurora Nutriscience, uh, one of our main sponsors here on How Val is Validity and the Chris Weaver Band. If you're uh, around tomorrow, Chris Weaver Band, live from the sectional, um, Andy will be another another time with Andy tomorrow night. When are you going to let me drink one of those things? Well, tomorrow. You can drink the whole thing. QQ10. We Keep get, asking to drink one. We uh, <laughs> our winner tonight, Jennifer Anderson. Anderson, God, now Jennifer you Aniston. Yeah, yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer Anderson is gonna <laughs> is gonna take home a, a, a Aurora vitamin pack. We appreciate you listening, and we thank everybody. Andy, what do you got there? You got something? What? You got a commercial? Oh no, I didn't know you wanted me to. Oh do that. God, okay, no, we're just looking at and make sure swing and a miss, <laughs> swing and a miss. <laughs> Make All sure right. that you go to the website and uh, you go to hvvcast.com. Take a look at our merch section and uh, our donate button. If you like the podcast, please help us out and donate to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, Andy Candy. Between the lunch buffet and the fried turkey I had for breakfast, I just don't know how I'm going to get this next meal down. But I tell you what. Prilo Suck delivers. Cram it all in. It doesn't matter. Hey, hey, With Prilo hey. Suck. 67 chicken wings later, I'm still in the game. Then I have a pepperoni pizza, deep fried hot dog with pan's oil sauce, 49 Slim Jims, a Frito pie, and a whole tub of butter pecan ice cream. With Prilo Suck, it don't matter. Prilo Suck, eat whatever you want, though, Billy. Sunday's new food that are not limited to. You see it, skip, Jimmy Lay, dry nipples, straight pubic hair, stems, fetus, all cheese, seven dead, mullets, prolapse, weenus, turkey vasectomy, disappearing hernia, and inverse oh, hair. <laughs> Prilo Suck, you gonna eat that? <laughs> oh my god dude it's genius it's genius what was it dry nipples what is that where did, where's that come from what was the weenus one can you play the end of that again can you play the symptoms if the you, symptoms yeah that's it. if you take it stones the beetle jimmy leg that are not limited to the skids puke jimmy leg dry nipples so that's the skids puke uh dry nipples <laughs> uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Leg is one of them. Mullets, prolapse weenus. Mullets, prolapse weenus. That's what Disappearing perineum. There's one. Disappearing what? Perineum. Oh my God. A weenus. A prolapse weenus. Yeah. All right, everybody, if you think this was good, join us tomorrow night for CWB Live from the Sectional with my friend Andy Candy, uh, Chad Bearden, co-host tonight, and our good buddy Parker. Oh, my God. Our good buddy Parker producing. Parker, thank you. Great job tonight. Uh, we're going to leave you Brent with Stover. Brett Stover. That's right, Brett Stover with his song, Instagirl Next Door. Join us next Wednesday night for How Val is the Validity. We'll see you then. Thank you so much. Rode into the city from a one-horse town, it was moving too fast, had to slow it down.